This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Hello, Scoop Podcast faithful. Thanks for checking us out. A portion of this Scoop Podcast being taped on the 15th of August, Tuesday, the 15th of August. Then we'll finish up the Scoop Podcast with Thad Levine, Twins General Manager, on Wednesday. His schedule did not allow him a chance to hop on the podcast on Tuesday. So we'll tape episode 89 over the course of two days. But again, a majority of this podcast taped on Tuesday, Tuesday, the 15th of August. We'll get to a bunch of Wolves notes. We'll get to Matthew Hurt, the stud of the class of 2019 in the state of Minnesota. One of the best 2019 high school basketball players in the country. The path he is on. He certainly has an opportunity to put himself in the conversation to be a high NBA draft pick. We'll catch up with Benny Sapp III. He prefers to go by BJ. BJ Sapp of Eden Prairie High School, defensive back. You can make a case he is the face of PJ Flex 2018 Gophers football recruiting class. He was the first commitment in the class of 2018. And as I mentioned, Thad Levine will join toward the end. The Twins with a relatively big series against the Indians this week, then another big one against Arizona. I suppose at this point of the season, every series is pretty big. They are in the mix, I suppose, along with almost every other team. But that's what the second wild card does. It creates this idea that, hey, you have a chance. But, hey, if they perform well against the Indians, they can say, hey, we also have a chance to win the Central Division. Hey, after last year, who cares if they're one of eight teams in the mix for one of – Two wild card spots to play a one-game playoff. It is a lot better than 2016, 2014, 2013, 2012, and 2011. So at least they're playing meaningful games here in mid-August, and hopefully that will continue into late August, into September. Before we start with Wolves Notes, some love for the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, Vine Park Brewery. Had a chance to escape an adult's weekend last weekend. It was the wife and I's first escape from the kids. Since last mid-October, went up to our friend Mike and Chrissy's cabin in the Forest City, Darwin, Litchfield area. Had a blast. Brought up some of Vine Park Brewery's fine Pilsner beer. It was great. Hey, my brother-in-law is not exactly a beer snob. He's a beer aficionado. He loves a lot of beer. He is not real picky, but he was a big fan of the Pilsner, of the Vine Park Pilsner. You can swing into Vine Park Brewery right off West 7th Street in St. Paul between 35E and downtown St. Paul, not real far off the exit of 35E. They are available on Twitter if you're big into social media at Vine underscore park underscore brew. Andy Grage is the owner. He's a big hockey fan. Swing in, talk to Andy. He knows all about the beer. So if you're looking for something that will satisfy your taste buds, I bet Andy can point you in the right direction. They have the growlers or what you can do is, well, Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine on Vine Park's equipment with Vine Park's help. So you can make your own beer if you want, or your wine. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. They have pale ales, IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box and wheat. As I mentioned, I brought up the pilsner flavor 
up to the cabin over the weekend. Our friends Mike and Chrissy enjoyed it. Brother-in-law Tim, his wife Maria, my wife's sister. It was a good old time with Vine Park Brewery. I'm telling you, they have the right recipe for you. For more information, the website vinepark.com. Again, vinepark.com. Or give them a call at 651-228-1355. I will start with Wolves notes. Shabazz Muhammad is still a free agent. It's a head-scratcher to many of us. There's some layers here. First off, I am told... But Shabazz Muhammad is looking for a new agent. He is in the process of switching from LeBron James's guy, Rich Paul. It sounds like Rich Paul promised him the world. Rich hasn't exactly delivered on that promise. So Shabazz is shopping himself around to yet another new agent. Remember, his first agent, Rob Palenka, now the general manager of the Lakers. He could have stayed with Landmark Sports. That's what Tyus Jones did. But he decided to go in a different direction. Went to Rich Paul. Rich Paul could not deliver in free agency these first four or five weeks of free agency. So now Shabazz is shopping himself around to all sorts of agencies. I hear he's leaning toward signing with Octagon, Octagon Agency. They represent Steph Curry, a number of big-time players. They got Ryan Anderson a bunch of money last summer. Octagon is one of the big ones around. I'm not quite sure, though, that teams are willing to pay him what he is looking for. I know the Bulls, the Bucks, the Hawks. Have inquired. How about this, though? The Wolves now are trying to bring him back. I am told that the Wolves have made a push to bring back Shabazz Muhammad. Now, I think it's a long shot. I can tell you that I don't know if Shabazz is willing to swallow his pride to come back here on a veteran minimum contract. He might ultimately take a veteran minimum contract, but I would bet it would be elsewhere, not here in Minnesota. But I do know the Wolves have all sorts of interest, recent interest in bringing back Shabazz Muhammad, but of course they can only offer minimum contracts, veteran minimum contracts. The Wolves don't have any more cap space. There's nothing going on the Cole Aldrich trade front trying to free themselves of that money. So it would be incredibly surprising, at least from my standpoint, from the digging I've done, if Shabazz Muhammad came back to the Wolves, at least on a minimum contract, unless they create some salary cap space. But, hey, I don't know if he's going to get much more than the minimum anywhere. So he probably has to take the minimum here at some point and just go somewhere where he can play a lot, then re-enter free agency next summer. But certainly interesting that he's looking to switch agents. Free agents Dante Cunningham and Tony Allen also very much on the Wolves' radar. But the way it's been explained to me, neither guy is real eager to sign a minimum contract today. They can get veteran minimum contracts in late September, early October. There are teams that will have 15 contracts, or I guess 17 with the two two-way contracts, so I guess you can have the 17 contracts now. There are teams that would cut guys to sign Dante Cunningham or Tony Allen for the veteran minimum. Now, maybe ultimately the Wolves end up with one of those guys. They certainly are trying, but neither guy is real eager here in mid-August to take the veteran minimum. There's been a few chats about Anthony Morrow, but the Wolves have not made him an offer yet. The signs point to Mike Dunleavy Jr., certainly a guy in the Wolves' radar, has history with Tom Thibodeau, but signs point to him signing elsewhere. Aaron Brooks is a point guard that remains on the Wolves' radar. They did inquire on Gerald Henderson after a while, not initially, but after a while. That was before, though, he announced he'll undergo a serious hip surgery. So no Gerald Henderson Wolves team, rightfully so, because he'll be out for a while. So Brooks, Stuckey, Gerald Green, Mike Dunleavy Jr., there are others. Those guys, I'm told, would sign today 
for the veteran minimum. But no on Cunningham, no on Allen. Again, it could change on those two guys' fronts. But right now, those are two guys that are waiting. Shabazz Muhammad, obviously, will wait a bit too, especially if he goes through and ends up signing with Octagon or a different agent letting go Rich Paul. Nothing going on on the Kyrie Irving front. I know ESPN had a lengthy story on its website on Tuesday that the Cavs are targeting, whether it's Porzingis in New York or Jamal Murray in Denver or Josh Jackson in Phoenix. Continue to hear that the Suns will not give up Josh Jackson. Continue to hear that the Suns would do Eric Bledsoe, Dragon Bender, plus Miami's 2018 first-round pick. I'm not sure the Cavs can do much better than that unless Boston goes all in. If the Cavs are willing to make a deal with Boston, Boston certainly has assets if they so choose to go the Kyrie Irving route. But I don't see Kyrie Irving ending up here in Minnesota. This is a Minnesota-based podcast, certainly Minnesota-centric, although we talk some other NBA. I'm just telling you, I don't see Kyrie Irving ending up in a Wolves uniform. Nothing new on that front. The core of the Wolves have been in contact with each other. They will all be here right after Labor Day. So right after Labor Day, they will have group workouts at Mayo Clinic Square. Somebody asked me on Twitter about John Lucas III. Started last year with the Wolves. I am told he will be involved in some capacity in the Wolves organization. I was told it's more likely he's involved with the Wolves, not the Iowa G League franchise. But you could make a case. He knows Tibbs' system so well, You know, especially with his dad's background. Mike Coaching be something that interests John Lucas III, but I'm told it's more likely he's with the Wolves than in Iowa. But certainly a name to keep an eye on as we try to figure out who Iowa hires as its head coach. Rookie Justin Patton was supposed to be at the Panini trading card shoot over the weekend in New York. He was a late scratch, so he was supposed to be there. I don't know if it's injury-related or not, but he had to cancel. He canceled the last second, so all those rookies were together over the weekend. Patton was not there. Been asked a lot about when the jerseys will go on sale, the new jerseys. That would be September 29th. Been asked a lot about O.J. Mayo. Remember, he is suspended for another season, so he can reenter the NBA 2018-2019, the 2018-2019 season. But O.J. Mayo cannot play in the NBA 2017-2018. Anyways, O.J. Mayo has been training with Jimmy Butler's trainer. He has spent some time this summer with Wolves forward, Taj Gibson as well. The Wolves had representation at the G League Invitational last weekend. Marcus Marshall, former St. Paul Johnson star, played for Eric Musselman at Nevada. He took part. Ex-Wolves news, Brandon Rush still receiving interest from the Pacers and Heat. There is absolutely no market whatsoever right now for Adrian Payne. Same goes for Jordan Hill. I know Hill's representation is also looking internationally. So no guarantee Jordan Hill even plays in the NBA next year. If he gets a good offer overseas, Quentin Hooker from Park Center High School, former Mr. Basketball in Minnesota, had a workout with the Wolves a handful of weeks ago. He signed with a team in the Polish League. He is already on his way overseas to Europe. Oh, and I should mention that Bill Duffy still hasn't finalized official plans to come to the Twin Cities. He will be here relatively soon, but nothing set in stone quite yet. The Andrew Wiggins five-year extension, though, will get done. It's a matter of when. Not if. The deadline isn't until October, so there's no real rush, although one can make a case when you're being offered $148 million that you would want to sign that deal ASAP. But I can tell you it's still being delayed a little bit. Gophers slash high school basketball. You have Amir Coffey, Daniel Aturu, and Trey Jones in California this week for the Nike Skills Academy Coffey 
entering his second year with the Gophers. Oturu entering his senior year at Creighton Durham Hall High School. He's a Gophers commit. And Trey Jones entering his senior year at Apple Valley High School. He committed to Duke over the weekend. I do know that Amir Coffey has already added seven pounds of muscle this summer. And I do know he worked with a new on-court trainer. This is a huge year for Amir when talking about his NBA future. Matthew Hurt's older brother, Michael Hurt, is playing overseas for a Larry Brown team. Michael Hurt played limited minutes in his freshman year, but he's one of the better shooters on the Gophers roster, also a really smart player. I had a chance to talk to Matthew Hurt, Michael's younger brother. He is entering his junior year at Rochester John Marshall High School. He is one of the five or ten best players in the nation, forget Minnesota, in the nation in the class of 2019. He has offers currently from Duke, from Kansas, from Notre Dame, from Louisville. He pretty much has every big offer imaginable outside of Kentucky and Michigan State. The Gophers, of course, have offered Matthew Hurt. The Gophers want Matthew Hurt badly. Anyway, I went down to Rochester for a TV story last week. So before the Trey Jones official announcement, so you'll hear me in the interview reference Sunday, the Trey Jones announcement. Again, that's because I talked to Matthew last Thursday, late in the week. So anyway, here's my conversation with Matthew Hurt on where recruiting stands, what he's working on this summer, all sorts of different topics with Matthew Hurt, class of 2019, Rochester John Marshall. Matthew, I mean, there is no slowing down, is there? I mean, you get done playing for D1, and next thing you know, I mean, you're preparing for the high school year. I mean, even on a day like today, you have open gym. But you love this, don't you? How much do you love this right now? There is no slowing down in your world. Uh, no, not for me, especially. Uh, but, you know, it's been fun, especially uh, my D1 season was great. My teammates were great. But now everything is coming to an end uh, for the summer. So I'm just looking forward to the high school season, getting a fresh start with our new coach. And it's just, I think it's going to be a great year for me and my teammates. There's still some stuff to do here this summer. You're going to take some unofficial visits. Can you lay out those visits for us? Yeah, so I'm going uh, on family vacation next Monday. And at the end of the family vacation, we're going to visit UCLA. I think it's like August 21st or something like that. So that's only one this month. Then later in September, like late September, I'm going to Indiana. And I'm going to Louisville and I'm going to Kentucky. Uh, just like a weekend or something like that, just to see their campus, uh, see how they see how see a practice, just see how they run things there. I mean, this is about the time where things really ramp up on the recruiting front, right? I mean, you think about you know somebody like Trey Jones will announce his college decision on Sunday. It's about this time next year, give or take maybe a few weeks, but a year from now is probably when you'll when you'll end up committing somewhere. Uh, yeah, um, I'm just going to try to commit around this kind of area or this time frame, August, September of next year. So I, I, still, got all, I still got a whole AU season left, whole year left. So I'm just going to try to take everything into perspective and put it in my decision making to see what uh, college I'm going to attend. Are you able to enjoy this process or is it never ending when when people like me are reaching out, hey, can we do a TV story on you? When all these recruiting websites are constantly blowing up, whether it's Twitter DM or your cell phone or reaching out to mom, reaching out to dad. I mean, you are about to be, what, a junior in high school. 
I mean, you just want to hang out with your friends at times. Is it at all overwhelming, the recruiting process? I mean, not really. I mean, it's, it's enjoyable because, you know, seeing them text me and then seeing them on TV later that year, I, I think personally, I think that's very cool. But like it's been not overwhelming because like they've done a good job of like not like texting me every day. They text me you know a couple times a month or a couple times a week. So I mean it's it's not not overwhelming, but I, I'm liking it so far. How many offers do you have? Um, I have no idea right now, but I think it's around 20. I mean, is that nuts that you have so many? It's hard to grasp exactly how many you have. Yeah, I'm just trying to. I know I just don't, I just don't remember if I have offers from some schools, but like. I just, I just try to keep working hard just to try to get better every day. Do you know the schools that haven't offered you? Uh, not really. I know Kentucky hasn't offered me yet. That, that's like the only like one big one yet. So I'm, I'm just going to keep working and try to get that uh, maybe later, maybe next, next year, maybe even this year. So I'm just going to try to keep working every day. Michigan State hasn't offered. No, um, but my, my teammates been telling me, like, they said, like, you have to, like, take a visit because that's what they mostly do. But, like, uh, I don't so that, that's what they that's that's how they run it so i mean i mean with kentucky is it possible when you visit there in september that that they make the offer at that point yeah it's, it's possible but you know i'm really not gonna focus on that right now because i'm just focused on getting better every day getting in the gym with my high school teammates so that, that's what i'm really focused on right now we'll focus on your game in a second but you did get a duke offer a few weeks ago correct me if i'm wrong the only 2019 player to have a duke offer um, I, there, there's been a couple of recently, but I think I was the first one, so it, that was really an honor, uh, to be honest. I mean, how much of an honor? I mean, when Coach K, basketball immortality, you think about, you know, the Olympic teams that Coach K has been a part of, all the national championships. I mean, what did that mean to you when you got that Duke offer? It was a great feeling, honestly. Uh, it's just seeing how hard, how hard my work's paying off, but, you know, it's not done yet. Um, but you know, it was just a really cool moment moment for me and my family just to hear him uh, talk to us and so I praised my game. So I mean, it was, it was really cool, especially to me and my family. Bill Self, Kansas, that's another blue blood program that has offered you. What does the Kansas offer mean to you? Uh, you know, they're, they're a great program too. You know, great coach, great coaching staff. You know, they always have great players coming through uh, to be a Jayhawk. You know, they have great players like my playing style that they use really well in their system. So, you know, I, I'm really, that, that's a great offer for me. That's like an honor too. I mean, the Gophers, is that a great offer too, considering your brother is there the year that they just had? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, my, my brother is enjoying it up there. Um, but, you know, they, had a, they had, a, had a great season last year, coming from a nine-win team to a 25-win team. So that was a great improvement. And they, they've had a, they had a good uh, recruiting class with Isaiah Washington and Jameer Harris. I think they're going to get a better one with the uh, three Minnesota kids that have committed there so far uh, in 2018 class. But, you know, they're, they're one of those programs that's coming up uh, really fast. And I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a deep run into the tournament this year, maybe even next year. For obvious reasons, because your brother is there, you're watching just about every Gopher game. The way Richard Pitino runs his offense, does that fit your skill set? Yeah, you know he has. You know, Eric Curry is a great player. I can kind of see myself into. I uh, can shoot the ball. He uh, he's he's uh, versatile. So you know, I'm just trying to look for players in each each kind of college that are like my game and see how they use me, see how they play. So that's what I'm really looking for. Who do you compare your game to? I mean, are there some NBA guys that you say, okay, 
I play like that guy or I'd like to play like that guy? Yeah, um, I, I really want to play like Kevin Durant because there's been some c comparisons that I've been compared to Kevin Durant. I think that's a, that's a choice that I should really like try to focus in on, uh, seeing his moves, seeing how he uh, like, approaches the game on and off the court. So, I, so if I just model my game after Kevin Durant, I think I'll be pretty good. I mean, you think about the year he just had. I mean, phenomenal career, but the year he had with the Warriors, the way he played on the biggest stage imaginable, you know, in the finals, being what, the finals MVP. I mean, that's a pretty lofty comparison. If anybody makes that comparison, Matthew Hurt to Kevin Durant, you have to be like, oh my gosh, how cool is that? Yeah, you know, Kevin Durant's long, athletic, can shoot. So, I mean, he, he's, a, he's one of the best players I've ever really watched in my time. So, I'm just really trying to uh, just uh, try to complete, complete my game into his, just try to do his moves, and just try to approach the game like he does. So, how Richard Pitino uses your brother, how much will that impact your decision making? Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make an impact um, because I want, to, I want him to do the, what's best for him. Um, so I think he's, he, you know, he's a great player. You know, he can shoot the ball uh, from anywhere on the court. Uh, you know, he's getting a lot stronger. Uh, he's one of the most smartest players I've ever uh, played with or played against. You know, his IQ is really high, but you know, he's just a great player in general. I mean, that's what I'm thinking, especially the shooting. I mean, frankly, I don't think your brother played enough last year. He should have played more. I'm curious, how much will he play next year, and how much will that impact you if you're thinking, okay, if my brother can't play, then, you know, maybe I need to go to Kansas or Kentucky if they eventually offer or some other school. Maybe I don't need to be a gopher. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, it's, I, personally, I think it's going to uh, impact my decision because, you know, I just want him to have a great career at Minnesota. Um, and then I want him to do what's best for him after after college, but you know, playing time, you know, it's got it's, it's what you got to work for. Um, so he 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 just got to work hard in this off season to try to get um, his opportunities, and he's, he just has to make his opportunities count uh, every possession, even if it's like diving for a loose ball, tipping a ball out, play, getting one stop, knocking down a shot. So he just has to. Uh, find his rhythm and I, I think he'll do just fine this year what are you working on this summer is one big key that that you need to make your teammates better that we know you're a star we know you're one of the top five or top ten players maybe the best player in the country in the class of 2019 but for you guys to win the section to get the state to get past lakeville north is the key for you to make your teammates better? Yeah, most definitely. You know, I just try to make my teammates better every day. Try to, try to push them every day. Um, but on the court, you know, just trying to hit them, hit, hit them in the open spots, hit them in the right spots, you know, just talking to them, giving them confidence to shoot the ball when they're open. You know, I'm just trying to take one, one game at a time right now because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really a leader last year or the year before, but this year I really have to step up as a leader, you know, be more vocal on the court. So, you know, I'm just trying to personally, you know, like, Every team I play for, I just want to make my teammates better. You know, hit them in the hit them, hit them in the right spots, uh, not or giving them confidence. So that's what I'm really looking for this year. How much has your shot evolved over the last year or two? I mean, did I see the numbers that that you shot 47, 48 percent from three this past year? Uh, yeah. You know, it's just for me. It's just confidence for me because you know, if I, if I just hit one in a game, uh, it's my confidence goes way up. I mean, I can really knock down anything I really want to because I'm so tall, I'm so long, and I can just shoot over, over everybody. But, you know, I'm just work, working on my shot every day, trying, trying to get it quicker for the next level. 
Um, but you know, getting in my gym, uh, getting shooting drills in with my coaches. You know, my coaches helped me a lot with my uh, shots, so I give all uh, the praise to them too. How much position flexibility do you have? I mean, do you feel comfortable playing the two, three, and the four? Do you need to get stronger to play the four, to guard fours? What's your best position? I think the best position I think is a three right now because I'm long and athletic. But once I, once I get more stronger, I think I can. In the college, I think I can guard the four because, um, especially right now, I can probably guard the two, three, four, sometimes the five uh, in AU high school. So I'm just trying to get bigger, stronger, quicker, faster, uh, just to guard. You know, maybe ones just. One through fives, especially because you know if you have a person guarding one through five, this it's pretty, it's pretty hard to get uh, good shots up. How tall are you right now? I'm six nine. Are the growth plates still open? Uh, I've looked at them, but I'm hoping for one or two inches more. So I mean, is that what the doctor indicates that there's a chance that you'll get to six ten, six eleven? Yep. When you think about your versatility, I mean that is Kevin Durant, right? To be able to shoot the three, and if you get to six ten, six eleven with your length. I mean, look out. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, those one, one or two inches can help a lot, um, especially for, you know, defense. You know, just getting that extra inch of just tipping the ball out or something like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm just really excited um, for my future and see how it goes. But you know, I'm just trying to take it one day at a time. Is it hard not to think about the NBA when you're one of the best players in your high school class that really, in reality, the NBA isn't that many years away? Do you think about the NBA? Um, yeah, you know, I watch it. I watch the Timberwolves like we'll see every day. You know, they're going to be a really fun team for next year to watch, especially with uh, Jimmy Butler coming in. But, you know, I'm just always watching their games, you know, always playing the video games. So, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm just really trying to get better every day, though. Matthew Hurt, 2019 Rochester John Marshall forward. Nice young man. Some follow ups from the conversation with Hurt. From my trip to Rochester, his unofficial visit to UCLA is next week, the 21st of August. I will add that watching him in the gym, watching him at his open gym, his shooting plus his ball handling have improved a ton. Now, I haven't seen every minute of his AAU season. I've seen video clips. I've talked to people who watch him way more than I do, but watching him Last Thursday, his shot is so smooth. He is such a good shooter. I'm telling you, during the AAU season, he made nearly 50% of his three-pointers. The transfer rumors, I know the transfer rumors were out there. I'm not quite sure I ever addressed them here on the Scoop Podcast, but they were always bogus. Creighton had come up. Apple Valley had come up. Matthew Hurt is staying at Rochester John Marshall. Also, with the reclassification, a hot topic this week with Duke getting the Bagley kid, certainly going back a few weeks to Race Thompson, reclassifying, leaving Armstrong a year early to go redshirt in Indiana. It's a hot-button topic. I'm told as of now the plan is for Matthew Hurt to play for two more years at Rochester John Marshall. No plans right now in a year to reclassify to the class of 2018. Also, the Kentucky offer seems inevitable. He will visit Kentucky here in a few weeks. It seems inevitable that he will eventually get that Wildcats offer. On Trey Jones, you should not be surprised he did not choose the Gophers if you listen pretty regularly to the Scoop podcast. I know for a little while he was considering UCLA. He said on Sunday Duke is his dream school, wants to follow in Tyus's footsteps. It's hard to tell Coach K no. It's hard to tell a program as prestigious as Duke no. So Trey Jones on his way to Duke, I can tell you the Gopher staff has been operating all along like they were not getting Trey Jones. They tried, you of course try, but they always felt like, hey, 
this is a long shot. They don't feel that way about Matthew Hurt, although, as Matthew said, how Michael Hurt is used next year will go a long way in Matthew's decision-making process. The Gophers still have one scholarship to give out to fill out the 2018 recruiting class. They have Daniel Oturu, they have Gabe Kelsher, they have Jarvis Thomas, all players from the metro area. It looks like the fourth player will be from outside the metro unless they pivot on the big man from Hopkins Hedstrom, which is possible, I suppose, having him redshirt, then he'd be available in 2019. But I know they're looking at some guard slash wing slash combo guys. I mean, guys that can play a little bit on the ball, off the ball, have some position flexibility, all national guys, though. So it looks like if the Gophers get their way, they'll get one of these kids either from the state of Indiana. There's a kid from the state of Pennsylvania, but they're after some national kids. Really no more local kids, even though they've been talking to Hedstrom, who has a chance to be pretty good, who's getting more and more attention. It looks like actually Wisconsin, I think, recently offered him. I should double-check that. I believe somebody told me that. Don't have it written down in my notes. But, yeah, he's the big man from Hopkins that seemingly is getting better and better. But there really isn't a whole lot of gopher steam right now on his front, but that's one that could be fluid. We'll certainly follow up on that in coming weeks. All right, let's get to Gophers football. Some scrimmage notes from Saturday. So they had a scrimmage at TCF Bank Stadium on Saturday. It was a closed scrimmage, although parents were invited, some alum were there, but media, but your conventional fan, they were not invited. We were not invited as media members, so you have to dig for information. I'm told Demry Croft got the first two series with the first-team offense. Connor Rhoda did get some series with the first-team offense as well. Both quarterbacks led multiple scoring drives. I'm told the offensive line struggled. I'm told the defensive line played well. Devers, who had a really good year last year, he can get to the quarterback. I'm told he had a good scrimmage. The first-team wide receivers most of the day were true freshman Demetrius Douglas. That's Omar Douglas' son. The Gophers got him to flip from Oregon. Tyler Johnson, the sophomore from Minneapolis North. And Eric Carter, who has been here a long time. Those were the first-team wide receivers. Rashad still got a little bit of first-team action, I'm told. But he played mostly with the second team. That being said, I'm told, still had a good scrimmage. No doubt, though, that Demetrius Douglas, as a true freshman, will play and will play a lot. Heck, he might end up being the Gophers' number one receiver this year. At Tuesday's practice, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and Oakland Raiders had scouts. That's what pro scouts do this time of the year. Heck, the Vikings recently had scouts at a Penn State practice, at Notre Dame's practice. What scouts do, they go to these practices, but since the Gophers' practice was open on Tuesday, those scouts were noticed. The P.J. Fleck Show doing relatively well here in the Twin Cities. I haven't looked for national TV numbers, but locally, the first P.J. Fleck Show on ESPNU did a .6. The second episode, the second show, did a 1.4. Let me put that into terms that we can all comprehend. One ratings point equals approximately 17,400 households here in the Twin Cities. Now, keep in mind, there's a lot of people who have cable who don't have ESPNU. That doesn't factor in streaming numbers, but a 1.4 here in the Twin Cities. So you can do the math on that. 20,000 households, 21,000 households. That's a pretty good number for ESPNU, plus to almost, well, in fact, more than double. I mean, heck, almost triple your first episode rating, that's pretty good. So there is some buzz 
when it comes to P.J. Fleck and the Gophers. Now the flip side to that is the opener August 31st at TCF Bank Stadium against Buffalo. I'm told there are several thousand tickets still available. They are practically giving away tickets. You can get tickets for very, very cheap. So I know it's a busy night. The Vikings have a home game. There are high school football games. It's the state fair. So there are all sorts of challenges. I get that. And it's not like you're playing a sexy opponent. But, yeah, they are struggling for P.J. Flex first game to fill TCF Bank Stadium. I should say in the QB battle, we will have news on who the starter is, at least officially, publicly, before the week is over. I can tell you neither quarterback himself has been told, hey, you are the guy against Buffalo on August 31st. Antoine Winfield Jr. is able to do some stuff at practice, but I'm told he's still not 100% recovering from that hamstring injury from like a week ago or so. Cornerback Adam Beck arriving to campus this week. He's the cornerback who had some stuff to clean up from a paperwork standpoint. Anyway, signs point to him being a redshirt. I guess you could always pull the redshirt, but he's obviously behind just getting to campus this week. I had a chance on Monday to get to Eden Prairie's football practice, the start of high school football practice across the state. Well, for most teams, I guess there's a handful of teams out of the Metro that started practice a week ago because they play a week earlier. But for the teams that open on either August 31st or September 1st, they had their first day of practice on Monday, the 14th of August. Had a chance to go to Eden Prairie High School to meet the face of the Gophers 2018 recruiting class. He is former Viking Benny Sapp's son. He is Benny Sapp third. He prefers to go by BJ. So BJ Sapp. Here's my conversation with BJ. He's recovering from two torn ACLs. It's been a while since he's played in a football game. That counts. Here is my conversation with BJ. BJ, what's the excitement level finally getting the season going? It's, it's wonderful, man. You know, just sitting out for two years and just, just getting back out here with my new teammates, you know, from previously, previously at St. Thomas Aquinas. It's just good to be back out here playing football. I mean, is this your first official practice then in about two years? Uh, yeah, my first. Well, I told Macy on April last year, so that's not like my first since two years, but you can say that, yeah, first practice, or well, seasonal practice, yeah. I mean, what's what's the grind been like? What's the journey been like to get back to this point? It, it been it been a lot since December when I was like seven to eight months out of surgery when I was with my strength strength coach at Eden Prairie High School named Blake Freeze. Uh, when I first started working out with him, I started you know he was just trying to see where I was at, you know just he he was like just do broad jumps you know, and we're, I'm doing broad jumps and he was recording and you can just see my legs just just go out gobble in you know, and. It just I just want to thank shout out to Coach Blake just for helping me to get back to where I am right now. And it took a lot of work, a lot of hard work, just sitting in the weight rooms and the workouts, just doing extra stuff that he told me to do. Um, me and my dad work on stuff, you know, just trying to get back to here where I am right now. So I just feel I just feel blessed for this opportunity to come back out here because a lot of people don't come back from two ACL surgeries. You just they just fall off. You're right. I mean, how long have you been brace free? I mean, I see you running around. I mean, everything looks good. Uh. My doctor, my doctor told me to, I don't have to wear it, you know, when I'm doing like the workout drills and stuff like that. But they do want me to wear the like the brace because I have it over there in the grass. They do want me to wear it, and when we do like team and 707 stuff like that. But when you play in games like you guys will open the season, what August 31st? Yeah. Do you have to wear the brace during games? Yeah, I will. I will be wearing it. I'll probably say it depends how my my knee feel, play through the game, you know, see how it feels, and I might take it off probably mid season playoffs playoff time so we'll just see 
Have your teammates welcomed you with open arms? Do you feel like you're part of the family here at Eden Prairie? And I feel more like a family, like a brotherhood, you know, because um, when I first got here, everybody op opened their arms up because they knew my situation, you know, and they just took me in, you know. I want to shout out to all my boys, you know, and I just appreciate them for taking me in. I really appreciate that because a lot of people, they don't, you know what I'm saying, you're just an outsider and just go how it is, but they took me in, and I appreciate that. How much pride do you take in, in the maroon and gold? You're wearing the maroon and gold right now. I, mean, I take so much pride in it because when I told my ACL, the first time a lot of schools didn't back off, they was like, okay, everybody's at ACL nowadays, so okay, you're going to get back. And then, and then um, <laughs> uh, when I tore it the second time, all the schools pretty much just shut down, you know, like Tennessee was still talking to me a little bit, Michigan, you know, certain schools like that. But after a couple months, after I tore it, they, was, they just boiled down, you know. And then when Coach Fleck came in January, he talked to me. Um, when he came here, like two weeks after he came here, before they offered me in February, he told me that he's not going to let me leave, leave the state. And I'm looking at him like, I don't, you know what I'm saying, I don't know because I had a lot of, you know, offers on the table. They called me. Well, Coach Simon, the receiver coach, called me um, on February 6th. I'll never forget the day. He called me, told me they offered me, and I was pretty excited because I didn't get a scholarship in a long time. Um, I went out there February 11th. That's the day I committed. Um, I saw, the, saw the, the, the campus. You know, I ate out with Coach Fleck and the coaches at Buffalo Wild Wings in Dinky Town. Um, I did a little tour, you know, talked to Coach, coach Mo Linguist. The DB coach, we went over a couple stuff in this, in, this, in this meeting. I saw a little clip of video. I talked to Coach Smith, the DC. Um, and then I went in the room with Coach Fleck. And then when I'm coming, I'm going into the room, I'm not expecting, you know, I'm not about to commit, talk to him for a little bit and just and just like see how it goes. But after I heard him talk to me for at least 30 minutes, because we was talking for like a good hour and a half, after he was talking to me after that 30-minute mark, I was like, I knew this is where I wanted to be. You know, because it's just his presence and his energy that the, that he brings around the whole the whole community, you know, and I just I just love the coaching staff. They 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 know my situation. Like I said before, they know my situation. They they don't care, they'll take that risk just you know what I'm saying, just to see me play Big Ten football. So I really appreciate that, Minnesota. Thank you. Do you welcome being the face of the twenty eighteen recruiting class? I mean, there's a lot of recruits. I mean we could talk about Ani at Highland Park, Lakeville yeah. North, offensive lineman, mm -hmm. St. Cloud Tech, but uh, but in many ways because you were the first to commit, yeah. maybe because your last name, maybe because mm -hmm. it's Eden Prairie, but in many ways you are the face mm -hmm. of PJ Flex twenty eighteen recruiting class. Yeah. Do you welcome that sort of title and there's yeah, pressure think, that goes along with yeah, it? I, I take that I take that with much pride, you know, because when I first committed, everybody was like, Who is Minnesota? this and that, but like I saw something that everybody really didn't see until now. You know, we have, I want to say, over 19 commits, probably I think 23, if Zach, I'm not sure, but it started from one, you know, you got to start somewhere, and I was just ready to take that role, that leadership role, and shout out to all my Sky UMR brothers. Shout out to them boys. Benny Sapp III, BJ Sapp, nice young man, nice to catch up with his dad as well at Eden Prairie Practice. One other Gophers football-related note before we get to some Vikings notes, then eventually to Twins general manager Thad Levine. The news came out Wednesday morning, the results from the study going back to the boycott, and pretty much Tracy Clays was thrown under the bus. The university did everything right. It pretty much, the summary was, there was a lack of leadership. So again, Clays thrown under the bus. He's not here to defend himself, so I did what any reporter would do. I tried to reach out to Tracy. I didn't get very far. I reached out to one of his close friends. The close friend got back to me. Here is what the close friend said to me. 
Clays is not going to talk about it. He knows what happened and knows the truth. And in truth, always consider this. The suspensions happened on a Tuesday. The team practiced on Wednesday and practiced well. A certain athletic administrator, we know he's talking about Mark Coyle, talked to the team after practice on Wednesday, and there was a boycott on Thursday. So draw any conclusions you would like. I would like to hear from Tracy Clays. Maybe eventually he breaks his silence. But right now, Tracy Clays is going underground when it comes to the releasing of the study from Wednesday morning. All right, let's get to the Vikings. Their interest in Tremaine Brock, the former Gopher, was overstated. Now, Brock is a really good cornerback. Just look at the numbers he put up last year for the 49ers. He ran into some trouble with the law. He is out of trouble. Nothing going on there. So he visited Seattle. He ultimately signed with Seattle on Wednesday afternoon. The Vikings were one of many teams. I'm told at least 12 teams, if not 14, 15, 16 teams, made some sort of inquiry phone call. But if you saw anywhere that the Vikings were heavily interested in Tremaine Brock, that report was overstated. I don't know if that report exists or not. I've had some people say, hey, are the Vikings on the cusp of signing Brock? No, it never came close to that. But I think the Vikings did what a lot of teams did. You reach out. When you have a talent like that on the market, you do your due diligence. But the Vikings, again, never came close to signing Tremaine Brock. I hear optimism is growing day by day on Teddy Bridgewater. He will start the season on the physically unable to perform list. I've talked on previous Scoop podcasts about Mike Zimmer's optimism that Teddy could be ready by midseason. I would say that optimism is now spreading around Winter Park. There are more and more people internally that have a good amount of optimism that Teddy Bridgewater will be healthy enough to sustain all hits, to make all moves on a football field, By the middle of the season, now make no mistake, this is Sam Bradford's team. Sam would have to get hurt for Teddy Bridgewater to play it all in 2017. But just know that Teddy came so close to having his leg amputated that so many things had to go right, how fast they got him to Fairview Southdale Hospital last August. So for him, in just less than a year, in 50 or 51 weeks, to be in a position by, let's say, late October, early November, to be back playing and playing presumably at a high level, able to do everything he can do on a football field that he did in 2015, leading the Vikings to a division championship. That is incredible news. We will finish with Thad Levine, and I have some notes, some leftover notes that didn't necessarily apply to the Vikings. Gophers or Wolves, we do have the news from Wednesday as well that Matt Cullen is coming back for a 21st season, signing a one-year, $1 million deal. With the Wild, he contemplated going back to Pittsburgh. It was Pittsburgh, the Wild, or retirement. Other teams called, but he wasn't going anywhere else. Ultimately decides to play a 21st year. He will once again be a member of the Wild. We'll get to Thad Levine in a second, covering a number of Twins topics. But first, more love for the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, Vine Park Brewery in St. Paul. They are now offering $7 tours of the brewery. That includes... A complimentary flight or pint plus Heggie's Pizza. How good is Heggie's Pizza? I was at this hole-in-the-wall bar in Forest City over the weekend. They had Heggie's. It was so good late Saturday night. Such a good pizza, whether you're sober or intoxicated. Vine Park Brewery online is vinepark.com. Okay, so St. Paul, specifically in St. Paul on West 7th Street between 35E and downtown St. Paul, a little bit closer to 35E. They are available on Twitter at Vine underscore Park 
underscore brew. Vine Park is the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer and make your own wine on their equipment with their help. Vine Park has been the fun place to brew your own beer and make your own wines since 1995. But I'm telling you, you don't need to brew your own beer. Go in there, pick up a growler, take a tour of the facility, then you get a free flight or a free pint. You get Hagee's Pizza. Such a good deal. Support the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, Vine Park Brewery. Again, online for more information, vinepark.com. The Twins enter Wednesday night's game against the Indians at Target Field, 59 and 58. The weather looks really bad for Wednesday, so I have to wonder if they'll go with a day-night doubleheader on Thursday. But regardless, the Twins are right there, not necessarily in the division mix, tied for second with the Royals, six games back at the Indians. But they are only a half game out of that second wild card spot. So there is still a chance. There's a chance for many teams. Many teams are within three and a half games of that second wild card. But the Twins are among those teams. They are playing meaningful games here in mid-August. I think that will extend into late August, into September. We always love talking with General Manager Thad Levine. He's very kind with his time. Here is Thad. Actually, I lied. Thad needs another 10 minutes or so. So let me empty out my Twins notebook. Then we will get to Thad Levine. Maybe he's actually trying to make some news right now. Who knows? Maybe he's on a trade call. Maybe he's meeting with Glenn Perkins trying to figure out if they will activate Glenn Perkins this week. I know Perkins is here in the Twin Cities, so we'll get that on the phone here in just a bit. I will say that someone close to Brandon Kinsler reached out to me the other day, even more upset now about the trade that the Twins went on this run, that they are in the playoff mix. I still say he throws, what, the rest of the season? 15 innings max, maybe less. I know Matt Belial blew a save over the weekend in Detroit, but who knows if they're even in that position. If Belial throws earlier in the game, so you can't just say, well, Kinsler would have won them that game. Maybe he's better than Belial. I've always said that Kinsler really likes it here. If the Twins have an interest, they can re-sign him in the winter, but it's still a long shot to make the playoffs. They feel like they got a pretty good return. Who knows? I don't know that pitcher if he was in this studio with me. I don't know him, but I've heard good things. Mike Radcliffe has told me some good things. Rob Antony, maybe Thad Levine can share some good things about him, although I've got a bunch of bullet points to get to with Thad. But the point is they feel like they got a pretty good prospect for Kinsler. I personally cannot fault them for moving Kinsler to Washington. The Twins had seven staff members, including Sean Johnson, scouting director, in San Diego last weekend for the perfect game. That was the game last year where Royce Lewis bursted upon the scene. I mean, he was always in the mix to be a high draft pick, but it was that game where he started to become one of those guys that you started to think about as a top five or top ten pick. Phil Hughes' surgery was a success. He should be a full go come spring training. That per text message from Assistant General Manager Rob Antney, but we can certainly ask Thad Levine about Phil Hughes. Also, I know the Mariners are after Irvin Santana. I believe the Seattle Times had that first. They're still after him. Add the Houston Astros. I hear the Astros would love to get Irvin Santana, but it doesn't matter. The Twins are not moving Irvin Santana. Irvin Santana will be here the rest of the season. Also, I hear the Twins are not the team that put the claim in on Blue Jays pitcher Marco Estrada. Somebody had asked me about that on Twitter. And there was the national report, I believe, from FoxSports.com, John Morrissey, that a team, an unknown team, had put a claim in on Marco Estrada as the Blue Jays put him through waivers. I am told not the Twins. And presumably, well, I don't know this for sure, but I would think Toronto just pulls him back. But who knows? Maybe Toronto works out a trade with the team that claimed him, but it's not the Twins. Thad, you're always so gracious with your time. At some point, do I need to pay you for all these appearances? Uh, not at all. It's, it's, it's my civic duty. I, at some point did somebody in ill and now I'm doing customer uh, community service hours. 
Well, you're good at it. I mean, I think you know that. Like, I was with Derek Falvey a week or so ago, and he goes, you know what? You should actually talk to Thad or talk to Thad more, especially on camera. He goes, I just feel like Thad is really good at doing interviews. Derek's like, I'm still working on this thing. I, I, I think he's probably selling himself very short. I think uh, the comfort in the interviews is all about the interviewer. All right, so hopefully, well, maybe I failed miserably then when I talked to Derek last week. Hopefully I succeed at least a little bit when I talk to you. We will we will judge as we go. All right, sounds good. For my own selfish reasons, because this podcast will post sometime Wednesday night, people may listen Thursday, Friday over the weekend. But for my own selfish reasons, does it look like you'll play baseball on Wednesday night? Yeah, that's actually was the, the very reason this was delayed as we were having conversations with Major League Baseball just to understand what our options are uh, relative to anticipated weather tonight. So the latest is that it looks like we could have a window at the front end of what is scheduled to be our game. So we, we may strongly encourage uh, players on both sides to try to put the ball in play within two pitches and nobody steps <laughs> out. We'll see if we can't get five innings in. Well, you know what? If that's the case, maybe I like your chances. I don't know. Would that help your chances, or would that mean that Cleveland's got a really good chance to win? You know, I think anytime you're playing a team of their caliber, you you have to have a ton of respect for uh, the talent they bring to the field and the momentum these guys have and how battle-tested they are. So uh, you're never going to feel like you have particularly an advantage against a team like this. You just want to play good baseball and hang in there long enough and, and hope to get that big hit or make that big play to put you over the top come, come end of the game. Would a day-night doubleheader be a possibility on Thursday? It's certainly one of the options that we're discussing. I, I think the challenge that we're, we're trying to feel our way through on that is that we already have one scheduled for the following Monday, and that would make, make for seven games in five days for us, which mm-hmm. uh, we struggled to find in the last 15 years any instance where teams had to do that, and we would prefer not to set a precedent um, by doing it right now. So what you're saying is, is there a mutual open date here before before the season's over? You're right. I mean, two double headers in the span of, of five days would not be good for you guys. No, and in, 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 in really, you know, obviously it wouldn't be good for any, any team. Um, there is one other mutual open day. Uh, the challenge is it's later in September, and, you know, it just puts – create some stomach acid for Major League Baseball because if something were to happen in between now and then, it's literally both teams last off day, and then you're starting to push past the 162nd game if something else happens. So they're reluctant to embrace that, but we're pushing for that now, and we'll see where this ultimately comes out. Any explanation why you guys have, what is it, five wins in Cleveland but haven't beaten the Indians at home this year? I I don't know. You know, I, I, I think maybe the bigger discussion is just, you know, how we've played, you know, just what appears to be a slightly better brand of baseball on the road than we have at home in total. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're a, a playoff caliber team, but our home fans haven't necessarily been treated to that quite as much as uh, the visiting fans have when we've been on the road. So I, I think we, we, you know, those are the types of things you spend a lot of time thinking about, and it may just, quite frankly, just be nothing more than happenstance. Uh, but, you know, key to a championship caliber team is being competitive on the road, but the assumption on the backdrop of that is you're you're winning the lion's share of your games at home. We've done the former. We haven't necessarily executed the latter. Yeah, I mean, it's goofy. I mean, you're seven games under 500 at home, eight games over 500 on the road. I mean, does anybody have that sort of, I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking at ESPN.com right now. My eyes are playing tricks on me. But, I mean, does any team have that sort of difference when it comes to, to home and road record? 
I, I think that's that's pretty atypical. You know, you usually we all talk uh, grandiosely of our home. You know, everyone has a home field advantage. It just hasn't proved out to be that way for us just just yet this year. Um, we've joked that maybe at home we should put all the guys up in a hotel until they have to get on a bus to go to the stadium. <laughs> Best of luck with sim- that. Simulate the road conditions, <laughs> but we haven't gone quite that far just yet, and we'll we'll, we'll continue to put that one on the board, but it hasn't been executed just yet. How do you view the standings? I mean, do you say, okay, we're a half game out of that second wild card? Hey, we have a we have a pretty good shot to to be a playoff team, or do you say, okay, there's there's what six other teams within three and a half games of that second wild card? We're six games out in the division, tied with the Royals. We probably won't catch the Indians, so the playoffs are are a bit of a long shot. How do you view the standings? Well, I, I think in some regards, what you're illuminating is uh, the confluence of old school and new school coming together. You know. There are a lot of new school statistics which would suggest that maybe we aren't as formidable a playoff contender as, as we are, uh, you know, such as run differential and some of the other underlying metrics which don't necessarily look look at us in as favorable a light. But one of the old school statistics which I think is tough to deny is the, the number under the games back uh, column. And, and mm-hmm. you know, as you said, we're we're right there for the second wild card right now, which uh, by my calculation, if you're in the second wild card, you're also in the playoffs. And so I think when you're talking about having some influence on roster decisions relative to the rest of the season, you can never take it lightly that you have a chance to play in the playoffs. And so we, we are going to turn more of our attention to that statistic than we are necessarily some of the more newfangled statistics, which may suggest we shouldn't be in the position we are in. The reality is we're more than 110 games into the season. We're in that position. I don't see that as a fluke. Uh, We've played very good games on the road. As you mentioned, we've also, I think, shown some really tremendous instances of resiliency throughout the course of the year where we've bent without ever breaking. And I think those are marks of a championship-caliber team. So whether that pays dividends this year or years to come, one thing I know is it will pay dividends for the Minnesota Twins. And regardless, I mean, whether you make the playoffs or not, is there something, Fed, that can be said about playing meaningful games for your guys to be playing meaningful games deep into August, into September, maybe even deep into September? I mean, you think about last year being a throwaway year, just playing out the string. I guess 2015, there were some meaningful games, but a lot of these guys haven't played in a lot of meaningful games. There's something to be said about that. Well, and I think I'd even take it a step back where I feel as if in my tenure in the game, you have this palpable feeling around your team and, and there's a kind of a, a cycle you need to go through. The, the first cycle is when you kind of doubt you're going to win that night's game. And when you doubt you're going to win that night's game, usually you lose. The second phase of that is you hope you can win the game that night. And when you hope you can win, you're a little bit more optimistic, but typically the team across the way, maybe a little bit further along and may still beat you. The next phase of that is believing you can win. And I think that's when you see franchises starting to turn but it's not until you expect to win that I think you see greatness being achieved. And so I think if we last year maybe were mired a little bit in that doubt phase uh, and we're trying to transition to hope, this year was tra- transitioning hope to belief. We still have a meaningful step to go, in my opinion, from belief to expectation to win. But I think it shouldn't go without notice that we've made a dramatic shift from last year where we were doubting mm-hmm. to now believing that we can win. And I think the point you made is spot on, that that the further you can go into the season, ultimately the further you can go into each game where you still have the chance to win, and then the deeper you can go into the season in which you have a chance to still be playoff relevant, it's it's energizing to the team, it's energizing to the fans. Obviously it helps generate 
a buzz around the club, which yields some revenue, which allows us to spend more money on the team moving forward. So the flywheel continues to go forward. But if you are playing relevant games deep into every September, I'll take my chances that a few of those seasons will land you in the playoffs. A few of those playoff runs will land you in very fortuitous positions. And then if you get the opportunities year in and year out, you're going to seize on them at some point and win a championship. Thad, whether it's the eye test, metrics, why is Eddie Rosario succeeding so much right now? I mean, heck, since about mid-June, June 10th or so, his numbers are phenomenal. He's been your best player the last two months. Talent is a delicious, delicious dish. And this man is talent rich. I, you know, I think he is a, you know, if you wanted to just kind of put him in a bucket, he is he's a, he's a player with a little bit of a lower floor. There's a little bit of a higher risk associated with him but the ceiling's about as high as anybody on our team. You know, there are not too many guys in the game of baseball who can hit a triple and throw out a guy at the plate in the same game, and he can do that and then some. I think he's really coming to his own. I think the staff has done a great job with him, but really Eddie deserves a ton of the credit. I mean, he's been given a lot of opportunities here while wearing the Minnesota Twins jersey, and he is making the most of it right now. And I think he shows right now his spectrum of ways that he can help you win a game is really dynamic uh, and can be lethal to the opposition. I think there's a lot of fanfare around some of our young players here, and Eddie Rosario, by and large, does not get as much of that fanfare, and he deserves it. And if he ends up being a, a nice compliment to some of our guys, we are going to be in a fabulous position uh, because he is just an exceptional talent, and I'm just so happy for him uh, that he's been able to showcase that for our fans over what has now been a couple months of the season. Is there fanfare, though, amongst, you know, major league teams? I mean, heck, I heard last winter the Tigers tried to get him from you. I imagine you got a lot of calls at the trade deadline about Eddie Rosario. Well, you know, I I think it's interesting when you get these new opportunities. Some things that you don't necessarily forecast is how many teams are going to call just to go on fishing expeditions to see if maybe you don't like players as much as the previous general manager liked those players. So Eddie Rosario was certainly one of those types of players who we got it a number of calls from different general managers with different clubs, uh, just asking if we'd be open-minded to talking about them. And so, and I will say this just, just candidly, there were a number of players fit that bill where I think they were just kind of taking Derek's and my temperatures, hoping that maybe our talent evaluations coming from Cleveland and Texas respectively, uh, weren't as strong as the Minnesota twin scouting reports on those same players. We made it clear to them that we view this guy as part of the core of the, the future of this franchise. How often do you go fishing? You know, uh, I, I, I got to take Ken Herpeck on an offer he made to me uh, long ago about ice fishing. I'm looking forward to doing some of that. Oh, yeah, I know. He's good I, at that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, who better to go with than a, a robust Minnesotan? So oh, absolutely. He used I, to do an outdoor show, too. Yeah, I know. He's, seriously, he's he's Babe Winkleman, like, if you know who Babe Winkleman is. He's really good. He's one of the more famous fishermen around. But, yeah, you should. But, you know, you were talking about how teams were coming fishing for for Rosario or what have you. How often do you pick up the phone, reach out to a GM, and say, hey, what are you thinking about this guy, or would you guys move this guy? No, I I would say it happens near their pocket at the time in the season, one one we just went through with the trade deadline where it's more intense. Uh, But Derek and I, that's one of the first things that he and I did when we got these opportunities is I think we capitalized on the fact that there were multiple of us between Rob Derek and myself, who have negotiated trades with other general managers, there are 29 other clubs that we need to stay in contact with. We kind of divided those up so that we could have deeper 
more significant conversations with clubs and better relationships with them to hopefully put us in more fortuitous positions to have the, our finger on the pulse of what's going on in the in the league because the reality is when players become available, teams aren't honor-bound to call all 29 clubs and notify them. So unless you're communicating with them, you may miss on something. So we're trying to minimize the chances of that happening by having deeper relationships with fewer general managers, and I think that's so far been pretty productive for us. Probably a stupid question, but when you divide up the teams, do you take Texas? Does Derek take Cleveland, or are you guys too close to those situations where it makes more sense to to have a Rob, or you take Cleveland, Derek takes Texas, for example? That's a great question. And in, in this instance, I took Texas and Derek took Cleveland, and I just think it speaks to the health of the relationships that we had when we left there. There were no, I don't think there were any contentions that could cloud your judgment. I think you want to try to eliminate that as best you can. I, I do think one of the benefits of Derek, myself, and Rob is we have healthy relationships with all 29 clubs. I think we view it the same way, which is we owe that to Jim Polad, uh, that we need to be able to have relationships with all 29 clubs and as many agents as there are out there because we need to have 360 degrees of the field of talent to be able to acquire. And if we cut off any of that because we can't pick up the phone and have a healthy dialogue, then that's kind of a shame on us situation. So we're very mindful of that. But I think in those instances specifically, uh, the health of our existing relationships allow for very open dialogues with those clubs. Over under 10, the amount of players you've put claims in on? Uh, thus far in August mm-hmm. or or today. Oh, okay. Well, today. How about today? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> under for today, over for August. Okay, so... I mean, you guys have been very active. I mean, I know nothing's coming to fruition, but but for those of us who are wondering if you're trying to add to this team, help this team, you clearly are trying. We are. And, you know, I, I think one thing that we've demonstrated is, uh, you know, and we've obviously done it on both sides of the spectrum so far, is we're trying to make sound baseball decisions that help this franchise, ideally now in the future, but at least one of the two. And the initial decision to acquire Jaime Garcia was through a, a little bit of a more near-term lens. Uh, the, the trade of Jaime Garcia and Brandon Kinsler was more of a medium-term lens. Well, I think this team has fought back into a playoff discussion where maybe our attention is a little bit more near-term again. So we have been active on the waiver wire. I think, as we were talking about earlier in this discussion, just the sheer volume of teams that are also vying for that second wild card, it's making for very big challenge for all of us to try to make trades because there's a lot of rampant claiming going on. So uh, even where we are in the standings, not a lot of players are actually getting to us at this juncture. Pitching still the top one? Are you looking for a right-handed bat? What are you looking for? Uh, you know, I, I think we, we we look at pitching as the most immediate need. But, you know, keep in mind, we're also tasking our, our professional scouts who are out in the field who are providing counsel on this. Uh, inspire us. Tell us who you'd like to have be part of the Minnesota Twins for years to come. So, uh, they're coming in. The recommendations are coming in all shapes and sizes uh, because we're not limiting it just to, to guys who can help us the last six weeks of the season. You were recently with the low A team, Cedar Rapids. What stood out about that visit? Uh, the coaching staff. Uh, I think you know this is this is the dog days for for the minor league coaching staff as August turns into September, and they're trying to make a last push in the second half and. I think Tommy Watkins and Brian Dinkelman and J.P. Martinez have done a tremendous job down there uh, really energizing our team. It's, it's the, the, by and large, their the roster is almost entirely turned over. I think they only have four guys left on it on the position player side. Uh, so there's been some influx since the draft, and there's been 
some promotions in the second half. So it's a remade team, and they're trying to get these guys to continue to develop at that level, and I think they've done an exceptional job. Three final points, I'll let you go. Glenn Perkins, he was on 1500 ESPN earlier. I know he's in town. Is there a chance he's wearing a Twins uniform here in the coming days? Uh, he is. There is. Yes, he. You know, we feel as if he's really made some meaningful progress on his minor league rehab assignment. Uh, we're now trying to like strategically figure out what's best for him and marry it up with what's best for the club in terms of when we're going to activate him. But I think that's a decision that's now a matter of days away, not in the past for him, which was months and then weeks, and it's now turned to days. And it's a when, not if. Like, when will he be activated, not if he'll be activated? That's right. That's the, exactly the way we view, on, view it, barring uh, uh, tripping over his dog or, or doing something untoward <laughs> while, while fishing. <laughs> Mitch Garver. What more does Mitch Garver need to do to be wearing a Twins uniform? You know, I, I, I think it, the game is a lot about doors being open for, for players and then what they do once that door's been, been open. And, and the reality is, and knock on wood so far, we've been fortuitous in the sense that our, our two catchers on opening day are still our two catchers and have been throughout the course of the season. So I, I think we are very aware of how well he's done this year, the progress he's made, the work he's put in. Uh, but at the end of the day, we don't see him as a bench player. So we didn't aspire to bring him up and just have him sit on the bench and not really have a role. So, uh, you know, if, he, if there had been an injury earlier in the season, I think we would have seen Mitch Garver I think there's still opportunities to see Mitch Garver, you know, come the end of the minor league season. Uh, but right now the opportunity hasn't necessarily presented itself, or at least one that we view is worthy of his, his promotion to the big leagues. Hector Santiago, will he be wearing a Twins uniform again anytime soon? Uh, we are hopeful. He has had a little bit of a setback on his rehab assignment, but I think we have worked with uh, Dr. Steves and Dr. Dom and, Dave Prumer's done a great job in trying to really narrow down and identify what may be causing him some discomfort. We hope we've gotten a better handle on that, and if we are able to address that, uh, we hope he could be back in short order. And then I'll leave you with this. How would you evaluate that, the job that Paul Molitor has done this year? You know, I think Paul's done a great job. We've, we've had, uh, despite like the first two to three weeks where we made no player moves, since then we've had a revolving door, especially on the pitching side. We He's had to manage a a influx of a lot of different players. He's maintained a great chemistry within our whole clubhouse throughout the course of the year. We've seen some young guys take meaningful strides this year, and that and that is huge for this franchise. You know, for a franchise that's not going to be huge players on the free agent market, it's essential that our young players uh, take steps. And I think you've seen that up and down our roster this year, and that's that's exceptionally encouraging. Dad, thank you so much. You're always so generous with your time. I will see you at the ballpark soon. Darren, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on. One of my favorite interviews in town, Twins General Manager Thad Levine. All right, a potpourri of notes, then we'll go on our way. I was over at Totino Grace football practice on Monday. Head coach Jeff Ferguson, the defending 6A champs. We wish Jeff nothing but the best. He was in a recent Vespa accident, so he's got his arm in a sling, his hip hurts, but he's able to be on the field coaching the Totino Grace Eagles. Gophers fundraising for the Athletes Village now up to $120 million. They've made significant strides. It wasn't that long ago they were stuck at $94 million, but now up to $120 million. Oh, by the way, at Totino Grace High School, I saw John Alt there, the former Kansas City Chief, longtime NFL offensive lineman. He is a volunteer coach 
at Totino Grace. I was over at St. Thomas football practice on Monday. Jacques Perra, the former Roseville High School star, former Gophers quarterback. He is St. Thomas's number one quarterback. One can make a case that a couple years ago, maybe the Gophers should have used him, pulled the red shirt. Maybe Jacques Perra should have gotten some snaps for the Gophers a couple years ago under Jerry Kill. By the way, he is still dating Gophers women's basketball star, Carly Wagner. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode number 89. Thank you, as always, to Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com. We will be back next week. We will have Richard Patino, Gophers basketball coach Richard Patino, on episode 90, among whatever else pops up in the next handful of days. But I do know for a fact Richard Patino on episode 90. That does it for episode 89. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A dual operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and 320 and 23.